over here? Is that <laughs> soccer or a football? <laughs> yeah. One. Hey, the World Cup just happened. I don't know if you saw it. Um, Argentina, they're world champs. And uh, that <laughs> yeah, all kinds of clapping <laughs> coming up. Yeah. Um, but you know, one thing that I noticed is that uh, the, the multitudes, the tens of thousands of people in the stands, all worshiping their gods. They were all painted, war paints here on their forehead, some taking off their shirts and painting. Yeah, they shouldn't have had their shirts off. But, <laughs> but I mean, they were excited. I mean, just like just going at it. The, the chants were unending from start to finish. They were encouraging their, their champions, right? Uh, to keep going and keep going, and tens of thousands, and it was the roar was overwhelming. And, and it normally is in those stadiums, whether it be baseball, whether it be football, whether it be soccer, uh, or any other professional sport, you have thousands of people that are willing uh, to call in sick to, um, because they just don't feel well to go into work, right? And they go to these places and they fellowship with a bunch of other people. And they all are encouraging one another, as long as you're on the same team. And, uh, and they're just, man, they're overwhelmed with excitement. Wouldn't you agree? And, yeah? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> And what's even more incredible is when God's people gather together to worship him and encourage one another to get closer to him, to draw in closer to him, to be reminded of his goodness, his, his love toward us. You know, today is a special day. And I cannot imagine being anywhere else than here with you. Because we are God's people and we're gathered together acknowledging the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are gathered together because we have the hope of heaven. We've been forgiven of our sins. And at this very moment, you can imagine in a Little stable in Bethlehem, the Savior was born. But he was born to die. He was born to go to the cross for you and I. And we're going to learn a little bit about that this morning as we go through the story of Christmas, the true story of Christmas in Luke chapter 2. So I'm excited for what we're going into as far as the Word of God is concerned and being reminded of why it is that we have uh, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I pray and I hope that if you're here this morning and, and perhaps you've been encouraged to come by your family uh, because they were going to be here and you were not, you're going to be at home by yourself. And you just, this, was, this is not really the place you'd rather be. That this morning the Lord would speak to you especially.
I'm, this morning, I've been just absolutely overwhelmed with the thought of God's love. Um, What he's done specifically for me, what he's delivered me from, and then what he desires to do, especially as we take a look at the world in which we're living in. It's truly a cesspool. And yet Jesus came into the cesspool to pluck out sinners and reconcile them reconcile them unto himself. Let's read in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, and because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Help us, Lord, to understand what we have before us. Lord, it's, uh, it's a story of our Savior. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of your love. Lord, that is only known personally by your grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, to perhaps think about that moment 2,000 years ago when Mary and Joseph were in that place, really all alone, and yet they had everything. They had everything because they had the Savior. That very night in which you spoke to the shepherds out in the field and gave them the good news of great joy that will be for all people. So, Father, speak to us this morning. I ask, Lord, that you would give us understanding of your word. You would soften our hearts and Lord, help us to see the love that you have for each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God and sinners reconciled. Uh, There's a a song that was written, and we're going to touch on that a little bit later. But that's the title of this morning's message is God and Sinners Reconciled. You know, C.S. Lewis said this, quote, Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. Uh, Indeed, bigger than our whole world. You see, Jesus is bigger than the world, and Jesus is bigger than, than the entire universe. As he is the Son of God, sent by the Father as the only gift that can save sinners and reconcile them unto the Father. That was the whole purpose of the Father sending the Son. To be a gift unto the world. 
that by him, the person who would, by God's grace, express their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, would be redeemed, would be reconciled, would be considered children of God as they come under the forgiveness that can only be known through Jesus Christ. The gift for the world to behold and no salvation by. And so the birth of Jesus is the good news of great joy to all who believe. The birth of Jesus is the arrival of God's promise of redemption. We see this baby in this stable and we look at that and, and think of um, oftentimes of, of different things, um, just the season in its entirety, good times with the family, and really, quite honestly, all of that is absolutely empty and only temporary if we don't know the hope of heaven, if we don't know forgiveness of our sins and God's grace through Jesus Christ. That is enjoyed momentarily, and yet eternity awaits. Oh, it's more than what is seen on the surface. You see, each and every one of us needs redemption, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Oh, the gift of heaven has arrived. He has been sent by the Father. And although this season is one in which the world enjoys family, cultural traditions, those that are warm and happy, there is nothing that compares to the act of God's love toward all when he sent his only begotten son that he may fulfill his purpose of dying on the cross so that we may know eternal life through faith in him. The son of God whose birth was foretold by the prophets and planned by God before the foundation of the world to extend to all people God's right hand of grace, forgiveness of sin, redemption, eternal salvation in Jesus Christ, Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, truly wonderful if you consider that day in which Christ was born. Isaiah 9, 6 says, quote, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So let's go back 2,000 years to the little town of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. In that day, as we read, Rome ruled, and Caesar Augustus was in power. And he ordered that a census be taken so that the taxes upon the people would be more accurately applied. When we think of Christmas, we always see it portrayed as a quiet and peaceful night when all was well and perfect and peaceful. Perhaps you have said yourself, oh, if I would have only lived during that time. And yet know that the comforts that we enjoy today were not existent at that point. No, the world was far from perfect and peaceful. 
I know we see just Joseph, Mary, and Jesus in a cute little manger with a few animals around him, right? But that's not reality. The world at that time, especially the world under the Roman Empire, was a world of war, destruction, wickedness, and immorality. The world was actually murderous, heartless, sadistic, corrupt, vile, and depraved. It was indeed full of sin. That's why we know that Jesus was sent straight into the cesspool of sinful humanity. And the people, well, they're hoping for the same thing that many people are hoping for today. They were hoping for an improved life. A savior that would save them from the tyranny of the government that was oppressing them in that day. And so what they looked for, what they looked to, is a savior, a messiah. And we're not speaking of Jesus. What the people were looking for was someone who would bring them into a place of comfort, of fairness, of true equity. They were looking for a better government. That's what they were looking for. No different than, than the world in which we're living in today, isn't it? It sounds similar in so many ways. And yet, in that day, in that time, the Savior was born. No, it was a world that was far from being peaceful and quiet. But this is exactly why the Father sent him. You know, in our own hearts, you know, we long for peace, we long for quiet, we long for hope, we long for purpose. And I don't know about you, but I was looking for it. I was searching for it. And I was willing to try anything and everything. And I just could not find it. Oh, it would bring me contentment, perhaps for a short time, but that was only a lie. You see, our, our hearts eventually come out in what we do and what we say. Our hearts are far from being peaceful and quiet without Christ. But this is why the Father sent him. The Father sent Jesus to redeem, to reconcile all who believe. So this morning we consider why Jesus was sent by God into such a place and for such a people. We think about ourselves and we know our own hearts and we think, we ought to think, we ought to ask ourselves, why is it that God sent his only begotten son for me? Because he sent them for you. Stop and think about how much God loves you. This baby that was delivered was the savior of the world, the Messiah. Again, Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, Jesus was not sent for those who are well. You know, in other words, 
What Jesus would say is that he was not sent for those who believe that in their self-righteousness that they achieve anything that comes close to the hope of heaven, God's glory. But the moment we, we come down from our high horse, so, you know, someone who, is, who thinks there's, there's self-righteous, and they humble themselves before a holy and righteous God. Oh, broken and contrite heart, oh God, these you will not despise. You'll never turn away from that. Even in that moment, Jesus was his, his hope, because knowing his desires that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. In that moment when he was pointing those things out, to those religious men who were self-righteous, his hope was that they would humble themselves and realize that salvation has been sent to them as well. Jesus was sent for sinners in need of a Savior. This is the good news of great joy, for we have all sinned and are in need of the Savior Well, it was in this world and at this time that Joseph, being from Bethlehem, went back there with Mary for the census to be registered, because he was of the house and lineage of David, which was a promise that God made, and that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David, and so it was. As it said, and we read, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. You see, this is something that the Father gave to each and every one of us. A sign is what we have here. God promised a sign that the Messiah had arrived. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. I point that out because oftentimes I hear people talking about signs. Like I'm just looking for a sign from God. For this and for that. And yet he's already given us the signs that are worth anything in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph was told by the angel 
that Mary conceived this child miraculously from the Holy Spirit. Mary had not known man, and Joseph in that moment, amazingly, in that moment, believed and simply did what he was told. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 39, it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my, my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That was the word of Elizabeth as Mary, being cousins, they greeted each other. And can you imagine John the Baptist in the womb did a somersault. He moved around. He was excited and somehow knew supernaturally, spiritually, that the Messiah was in his presence. I bring you back to the stadium full of tens and thousands of people all roaring and, and just excited, overwhelmed, right? With those who are playing down on the field. If you've ever been to a soccer game, and I've been to one professional soccer game, I remember the drum. Have you ever been to a professional soccer game? Yeah? Man. I mean, the, the drum, boom, 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 they're going, and, and then they're doing, like, I would call them end zones, but behind the, the goals, yeah? They, they do this thing. I mean, it's, there's excitement going on. John wasn't even born yet, and he was excited because the Lord was present What does that say of us when we gather together as God's people? Do you know that he's present? He's present right now. Are we excited about that? Is, does that reflect in how we worship him? Mary believed, Joseph believed, Elizabeth, that is John the Baptist's mother, believed. And Zechariah, John's father, believed. Zechariah's prophecy is recorded for us. In Luke chapter 1, verse 67, says, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, 
being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And that was what Zechariah spoke over his son, John. He shall be the one to prepare the way for the Messiah. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Oh, the joy that Zechariah would know in that moment being filled with the Spirit. His son would serve the Lord in that way. What a privilege, what an honor. And this all took place before Jesus was born. We're not even to his birth yet. But now the Savior had been born. And as Zechariah had prophesied, God had raised up a horn of salvation. Emmanuel, God with us, the sign that God had foretold of had come. These signs, they're already there again. They're in the word of God. There's the sign, and then there's the declaration. Verse 8, as we continue, says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. What what an amazing moment. I mean, the men were minding their own business out in the field, shepherds tending to their flocks. It was a starry night. God had plans for them to hear the good news of great joy. Oh, he broke that silence. The stars in the sky, they're nothing compared to what they were about to see and hear. God had communicated to these shepherds that Jesus, the Messiah, the hope of the world, was in a manger in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling cloths. The one who would one day be wrapped not in swaddling cloths as a baby, but in grave clothes, as a Savior victorious over our sin. Well, this was a glorious day. God had brought the good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
So first of all, we need to note the good news of great joy. Salvation had come. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It says in Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And in Romans 10.13, or 10.9, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Good news of great joy. Secondly, it's for all people. The angel declared, you see, that this was good news of great joy that will be for all people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then we see the long-suffering of God toward us, toward you and I. In 2 Peter 3.9, when it, it is written, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You, any, and all are key words here. Pray that each and every one of us are happy. We do not know the Lord at this very moment, that he has been patient, has waited, waited for this day. To have you hear the gospel one more time, the good news of great joy. That you may have the opportunity to respond to the gospel, to the good news of great joy. You see, the birth of Jesus would not be good news of great joy for all the people if it were only for some people. And some false doctrines say it's for some people, but not all people. No, this is, this is for all people. Today, all can rejoice. All can come to that place and know that hope, forgiveness of our sins, God's grace has been extended to all. What do we need to do? Nothing, just simply surrender. Yield ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. Believe that He is God. That He is the Savior. That's it. It's a surrender. It's not a doing. We just read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's not by works. Otherwise, we would boast about that. But what do we do? Nothing. We, we yield ourselves. We surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of great joy. Thirdly, God gave a sign again, as I said earlier. God gives these signs. They are the very word of God. Signs are not new, but those provided for by God, according to his word, and he desires that you pay attention. The only way we can pay attention is if we read the word, we know the word, we understand the word, and then we can know how to navigate through life in a way that is safe for us, is pleasing to the Lord as we go 
through it and navigate through it by faith, and we bless others. Because we do so according to God's word. God is faithful. His promises are true. You see, the miraculous conception of Mary was a sign in all the things I pointed out regarding Joseph, regarding Elizabeth, regarding Zechariah. Mary, we all, we're all signs of God's faithfulness according to his word. Just like you don't need to constantly be looking for new signs while traveling down the road, you just need the ones that are there, right? Curve ahead, slow it down to 35, pay attention, right? All you have to do is, as you're traveling down the road, see the sign, pay attention, and know that it's, it's true. There's a, there's a curve that's ahead, and if you, if you don't hit it at somewhere around 35, you know, we can approach the, the limit there, but at some point, we'll realize that the sign was true. Well, even more so, it is the very word of God. You don't need to look for new signs regarding God. You don't need to look for new signs regarding his salvation. Pay attention to whatever and what has been given to us and provided for us already his faithful word. And God wanted them to know that what he sent the angel to declare was true. Because here, I'm telling you, this is what you're going to see. This is what has taken place today in Bethlehem. And he described who they would find and, and how they would find him. Basically, God was telling them, I'm telling you this, now go look for yourself. He tells us that in, in the word. He lays it out and he says, now understand this, and then now go look for yourself. God is faithful and he is true. So we see the sign, the declaration, and finally the Savior. In verse 15, as they did go and look, it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. It was exactly the way they were told. Exactly. The shepherds hurried themselves to see if this was true, and they found Jesus just as they were told. That night, the shepherds looked into the eyes of the one who was born to save them, to reconcile them unto the Father. As Mary looked at her child, held her child, 
He had in that moment feet that were too weak to carry him. And yet one day would carry him to Calvary. They would be pierced. The same arms that reached up toward his mother were the same arms that would be laid out on the cross and nailed to the cross. Same arms that reach out to you and desire to embrace you. Same eyes that beheld his mother. With the same eyes that look to each and every one of you. And desires most of all that we would believe, that we would press in, that we would trust him as Savior and as Lord. The same heart that in that morning was beating and and a heart that longed for his mother was a heart that was pierced on the cross. His blood shed for you and I, that little child, born to die, to serve as a sacrifice for you and I, that we would know redemption, reconciliation. Oh, Christmas is much more than we could ever think or imagine that night, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the one she held would one day be held on cross, on the cross with nails piercing him. That she also may know salvation and be reconciled unto the Father. Oh, Merry Christmas. May we consider what Christmas is all about. Have you looked into the eyes of the Savior? You see, his word is true. He wants you to know that through him, you can know the forgiveness of your sins, reconciliation unto the Father, being redeemed from what? From eternal damnation. You see, the world would have us think that, that hell is nothing. That it doesn't exist. That it's not real. It's a, it's a fantasy. It's something that has been made up. That's exactly what Satan wants us to think. And yet God makes it very clear. We've been redeemed from the pit of hell. From the lake of fire. God wants you to understand his word. To see that he is faithful. That he loves you with an everlasting love. That salvation is known just as he says it is. And I pray. That each and every one of you can claim. A personal celebration. On this day. When you say Merry Christmas. It means something entirely different than what the world says, happy holidays or Merry Christmas, the way the world says it, 
is much different than the way that the people of God say it. Because we've come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray and I hope that each and every one of you this morning can celebrate the birth of your Savior personally. So if you don't know what salvation looks like, how to know salvation, I read in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, according, according to Rome, Romans 10, 13. You see, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front to, to repeat after me some prayer of accepting Jesus Christ into your life. No, what I'm going to ask you to do is in your own seat, you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you acknowledge Jesus as the Son, Son of God who died for you. Ask him for forgiveness and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. The reason why I do that is because it'll be evident. It'll be obvious that you belong to him because he'll give you a new heart, new desires, a new purpose in life. And your hope will be grounded in him and secure and eternal. The heavens will rejoice and we'll simply come alongside you and encourage you in that new relationship with Jesus Christ. Let us know. Let me know if you do that as we close in prayer. And I will rejoice with you. I will encourage you. And I will welcome you into this family. And I pray that you would allow us to come alongside you and encourage you in that walk. And I had um, started this morning mentioning, and the title of this morning's message is, and we can have the worship team come on up at this time. God and sinners reconciled. We're not going to sing that song, but it was written by Charles Wesley. And I'll just read the first part. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Last words, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Repent and believe. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the good news of great joy is not complicated. And yet, Lord, we, Lord, we, we can be hard-hearted, stubborn. And Lord, even 
Even in spite of that, you sent your son to die on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord, for for loving us so much that you sent your only begotten son, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, Lord, this morning we celebrate the birth of our Savior, knowing, Lord, that he was not only born, Lord, sent by you, born in Bethlehem, but, Lord, you sent him to shed his blood to pay for our sins in their entirety. And so, Lord, we are truly thankful for that. For in Christ, we are victorious over sin and death as he resurrected on the third day. So thank you, Father. Thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ, your grace, and your redemption. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.